What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Congressman Pocan, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Last night, Joe Biden had a really good night, and I have a four-part theory about why that is. I'd like to run it by you and and get your thoughts on the state of the race, basically, what's going on. I think, first of all, you look at the Virginia primary numbers, and several hundred thousand, I think maybe 300,000 more people voted in the Democratic primary than had voted in previous Democratic primaries. I'm thinking a lot of those people are, because it was an open primary, and I don't know how many of these states were open primary states, but it would be interesting to see if this holds only for open primary states. But I'm guessing in a lot of those states, there are people who are Republicans or independents who just want somebody to vote for who's not Donald Trump and you know, are not Democrats and haven't been really following the Democratic Party that closely. And they don't know that much about Bernie, but they know that Joe Biden was vice president and he's safe. So they're voting for him so that they can vote for him in the fall, number one. Number two, I think Jim Clyburn's all-in embrace of Joe Biden had a huge effect. When you look at black voting across the country, Clyburn is a beloved figure. Number three, during the past week and a half, the coverage of Joe Biden has been wall-to-wall positive on MSNBC and CNN, whereas Bernie has been mostly getting trashed on those networks, particularly after his Cuba remarks. And finally, I think the coronavirus actually played a big factor in this because people are frightened. And when people are frightened, we know from good psychology studies going back to the 1950s that politically, they tend to become more conservative, more cautious, less likely to jump in on a revolution and more likely to say, stay the course, tried and true. It seems to me like those four variables are big. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. I agree. And on the third point, I, I think you're right. There's a lot of messages out of the political class, the pundit class that have been out there for quite a while trying to hold, uh, I think, some of what Bernie's trying to advocate for, some of that change back, because, but honestly, they don't benefit from that change personally, and we've been fighting that for quite a while. And on the fourth, I would even add not just the coronavirus fears, but I think there's a lot of fears in general of Donald Trump, period. And they're just looking for, and they feel that because the messaging has been around, that that's your comfortable place, followed by having Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Beto all on Monday endorse Joe Biden. I think there really was kind of a perfect storm of that messaging hitting And now we'll see with Mike Bloomberg officially out, uh, we'll probably find out in the next 24 hours what Elizabeth Warren's going to do, but you might be down to a two-person race coming into the next set of states. And I think that really in many ways is a restart of the campaign, right? It's a moderate with more establishment views and a, a progressive with more grassroots views, and that will be maybe the contest moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to watch. I understand that you have participated in some of the uh, briefings for Congress about uh, what's going on with the coronavirus. What's the latest on that? Yeah, honestly, we talk about this all the time. I just came out of a appropriation subcommittee where we had Dr. Fauci was there and the head of the NIH, and we had a morning uh, council with someone who was one of the experts on the Ebola crisis. There's a lot of things that this administration is doing quite poorly, and especially around testing. The fact that In the beginning, they had some snafus even about who to test, and they weren't testing the right people. They only, if you traveled, they finally just this week lifted that, but also this week they quit track of how many people they've tested, and there's a lot of questions why they did that, because if you don't know what you don't know, 
um, because you're not keeping track of it, that doesn't help us moving forward. Other countries like uh, South Korea have been much more aggressive in proactively testing people. We should be in hospitals doing that. And Dr. Fauci said he completely agrees, but we're not doing that right now in the response. So there's a lot of concern still. I mean, I think things evolve almost on a daily basis in this area, but we need the administration to listen to people like Dr. Fauci and former uh, FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. I follow his Twitter. He's been, had some great information put out there. The World Health Organization, and not so much worry about the politics or the stock market, because we've got to focus on this as a health crisis and do it grounded in science. Our governor here, Kate Brown, wrote a formal letter yesterday to Mike Pence saying that we're not able to test people here in Oregon because of the guidelines from the federal government that the only way that you can test somebody is if they came from a foreign country or if they've had direct contact with someone. In fact, up in Washington State, they're having probably they got people in this nursing home uh, right. that they can't test because, uh, you know, they can't prove that that person, you know, touched another person. Yeah, I mean, it's just bizarre. And Kate Brown is saying, uh, you know, the governor here is saying we should be able to test anybody we damn well please. It should be up to the doctors, so not up to Mike Pence. That's now been lifted. However, there's the stories of people going and finding out they don't have it and then getting $3,200 bills. That doesn't help. So we've got to address this as a public health crisis. So, you know, we need to address so no one feels like they can't get tested because it could, you know, cause them to go broke. But also we should be proactively testing people. If you have a asymptomatic type of pneumonia, we should be testing you because we need to know what's going on. People like Scott Gottlieb said it's probably hundreds if not thousands of people in the United States have coronavirus. But because we're not testing extensively, we don't have that information, we need to. It's the only way we're going to actually deal with this in a proper way. Right. And we also need to publicize that the two main symptoms, 90% of the time people get fevers, high fevers and intermittent fevers, and 80% of the time they get a dry cough, not a productive cough. So if you're coughing and coughing up phlegm, in all probability you have the flu or a cold. If you're coughing and nothing's coming up and, and it just feels dry and sore, then that's it's a flag, at least according to the stuff I've been reading. Yeah, so. and I think that people should be open to getting tested, and uh, let's do more proactive testing. Like I said, Dr. Fauci not only said he agreed, he said he strongly agreed. Right. So it sounds like there's still some uh, maybe disconnect even within the, the top folks who are dealing well, with Well, these guys had four months to prepare for it. They did absolutely nothing. Instead, you know, Trump sat around tweeting. So, I mean, this yeah, is... The, it was a hoax. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This is where we're at. So let's pick up some phone calls here. It's sure. been Middays with Mark. Uh, Pam in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Tom, I wanted to talk about the black vote. And wanted your audience to know, not all black voters support Biden or officials such as uh, Representative Clyborne. Mm. So my concern is I'm looking at the policies and those policies of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders represent what I want in a president. I don't even know what Biden is offering up. But... I will uh, say that he is benefiting from the residual effects of Obama. And I had a lot of issues with Obama's administration. Hmm. Pam, I'm seeing that uh, in Alabama it was 70% of the black vote for Biden. In California it was only 37%. So there's a lot of variety. Congressman Pocan, my concern is what are, Elizabeth Warren wanted to address the filibuster, because even if we get a Democratic president, what is going to happen with Mitch McConnell and that filibuster and us trying to get, you know, legislation passed? Great question. Thank you, Pam. Yeah, I think that's a great question for anyone running for the Senate and anyone who's currently in the Senate who may not be up this cycle. You know, we have seen the complete ignoring of every bill that we've sent from the House. I think it's been 400 plus bills. Um, this is, these are old numbers, actually, a couple months old, 275 of which are bipartisan, uh, raising minimum wage, uh, keeping uh, protections for pre-existing conditions for people in health care, reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act, the Equality Act. Go down the list, a bunch of good gun violence prevention legislation, getting us back into the Paris Climate Agreement, and none of them are moving in the Senate because Mitch McConnell won't put them forward, and a lot of that is because of, of the rules they have in the Senate. So I think it's a fair question for everyone to have to answer and address. Um, and I, I think, you know, a, a national debate with uh, someone who is a strong proponent and opponent would be helpful for all of us because there are some valid arguments on each side. 
Congressman Mark Pocan is with us taking your calls here on the Tom Hartman program. And he is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin in the U.S. House of Representatives. His website is pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Bill and Sebastian, Florida, watching on Free Speech TV. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I'd like to voice my opinion about the, uh, the coverage that MSNBC and The View have given uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, not given... Uh, him a fast shake at all, and it's uh, terribly disappointing. And I'd like to know, Congressman, if uh, an investigation could be held into all the polling places that were closed in South Carolina and Texas, which was reported on C-SPAN uh, on uh, the day after the Carolina primary. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar enough with that second part uh, to give you a good answer, Bill. I apologize on that front. On the other, it has been pretty thorough coverage, uh, people describing Bernie Sanders as a socialist. He's not a socialist. He's a democratic socialist, which really, Tom, in my opinion, is kind of an outdated term. It's really a social democrat, like you have in Denmark and places like that. And uh, I think there's plenty of confusion uh, around that, but uh, it hasn't stopped many people who, unfortunately, have license to be on TV to to say things uh, incorrectly and overly generally. And uh, that's been confusing, I think, um, you know, just the, the fear factors you mentioned, I mean, people, you know, making it sound like this is the only way to beat Donald Trump when uh, the last time I looked over the weekend, 56 of the last 60 polls showed Bernie Sanders beating Donald Trump uh, across the country. Um, but those things don't all get out, and that has been a big part of, I think, our problem, getting those messages out that are actually also facts. Right, right. Uh, Tim, in Los Angeles, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman. Uh, thank you, Tom. Uh, anyway, uh, what I wanted to talk about was, the once again, the corporate media has has uh, turned the picture around. People are gullible. People rely on, on that media. Is there anything in the works to bring us back to where the news is set to said, where it, it does not have to make a profit? Uh, is there any bills like that that are that you guys are working on? Yeah, Tim. Actually, quite the opposite. We're often defending public uh, radio, um, public TV, and other. Uh, one of the few entities that we have left is, is actually every year. I think the president you know provides cuts to, and we generally restore from Congress. So it's kind of the opposite. You know, to me, I think a bigger part of the problem, Tim, is just the twenty four seven news cycle. Um, so often, and it's frustrating because I'm in Washington, sometimes I get the information that's actually happening, and I see how it's reported, and people want to get it fast rather than right. And I'm a journalism major, and I have a problem with that. But that is uh, the part of what we're battling, and then when it gets fixed, it doesn't get the same coverage as when it first gets reported. So there, there's a number of things that you know, would be helpful to, I think, help on that front. But um, I, I think you know, we just have to make sure that as we communicate with folks, whether it be social media or otherwise, we're at least putting some of these facts out for people to know what's happening, whether it be on legislation or politics. But there is no big movement or even a small movement to, for example, restore the Fairness Doctrine or undo the 96 telecommunications. Something that is really what I would describe it. Yeah, unfortunately. By the way, Congressman, I just wanted to salute you. Thank you so much for the uh, way that you essentially took down Betsy DeVos in a hearing uh, last week. That thing went viral on Twitter, and we all saw it, and it was spectacular, and, and good on you for that. Yeah, you know, it's frustrating with her. Is I, the question was a yes or no question. There was no other answer you could give other than yes or no. Do you think that money that uh, goes from char- public dollars, tax dollars, to go to charter schools should be used to buy planes? because there was a problem with the school that she's been advocating for, and she didn't want to answer. And she said, well, that's not a yes or no question. I'm like, well, no, that actually is one. And then we just had a little more of an exploration on the huge failure rate of these charter schools that were putting tax dollars, and there's a report that she kept saying is debunked. That's not, that says we probably wasted a billion dollars in these schools. And uh, the fact that she knew the report was wrong, her opinion, but then when I asked her, okay, what kind of schools are failing, charter schools, she had no number whatsoever because she doesn't follow issues or facts. So it, it just was the frustration of dealing with Betsy DeVos, but it shows how grossly incompetent she is to be running the Department of Education. Amen. 
Joe in Ontario, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. I've been in pain management since I had back surgery 13 years ago. In that time, my meds uh, that have been available to me have been cut by about 50%. Um, my frequency of appointments has gone from once every two to three months to having to go in every month. So you're almost you know, stuck in your neighborhood. You can't go anywhere. Most of this overdose business is due to illegal fentanyl coming in from China, um, and people are having to go to the black market to get these drugs. Is Congress doing anything about this, or does Bernie have any kind of policy that would address this issue? Yeah, I, I can speak a, a little bit to Congress. I mean, obviously, there's been lots of actions trying to deal with opioid addiction, and as often as you know, uh, sometimes we wind up going too far before you bring it back to where you have to be. One of the problems that we know that gets people sometimes to heroin or to fentanyl or to other drugs is because they were given a little too loosely prescription drugs, and then once they're taken away, they wind up going to the street to find them, and then that's where we wind up into these overdose situations very often. Um, so uh, I think the reaction has been just what you've mentioned, your situation, and I've heard it from other people in my district as well. Um, I, I can't tell you immediately if there's a bill moving, because I don't believe there is one that's moving um, directly affecting this, but it is something that we're absolutely hearing in all districts. We have constituents in the exact same place you are. They're saying, look, you've maybe gone too far because I actually need this. I'm a responsible user of what I need for pain management, but making me come in too often or, or cutting back too much of what I can have isn't going to solve the problem you're trying to solve. So um, point is, is well taken. I just can't tell you if there is a piece of legislation moving because it's it's not my direct committee of jurisdiction. There could be, but I don't want to give the wrong answer, Joe. Grace in Florence, Alabama. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Congressman Pocan. Um, I was wanting to let you know and ask a question. Our state advertises and seems to promote online education for primary and secondary schooling. Um, and I was wondering if you feel that, that this should be a plan for states and school systems to switch to in, in times for their student population at large where there are communicable illnesses like the coronavirus, for example, that they could, for a time, take their classes and wouldn't be interrupted uh, at their homes. The best way to get an education is to have uh, students in small classrooms with teachers. Um, so I think I don't want to say anything that would take away from what is the best formula that we have in our public schools delivers that best formula. But I think we're looking at all sorts of things. And answer, I was a little surprised today. The gentleman who was in charge of the Ebola virus um, and was former aide to Vice President Gore uh, spoke to our WIP meeting this morning. And one of the things they were asked a question about, uh, you know, should we have more schools not meeting, you know, so you don't have people around each other? And they said, actually, in some areas, that's the problem, is instead of having people go to schools, uh, the youth are still going to go somewhere, and if they're out running around and having even more contact with people, you can actually spread the virus rather than being able to test in a more um, contained sort of way. So I'm not sure exactly if we all know what that answer is. I am a huge advocate for doing much more testing, and that's not something we're doing under Donald Trump. I think it's because he doesn't want the numbers to be higher because he's afraid what it'll do to the stock market. Uh, just a week ago, 10 days ago, he called it a hoax, which is, uh, again, shows how off this administration has been on this, but we, we're trying to rise, instead of criticizing that, criticize the action so we can get the proper things done. And I think more testing is top of it. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, the two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. 
Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, with two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ryan in Grand Rapids, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks for writing Walking Your Blues Away. I just read it not too long ago, and it well, really you, helped me a lot on that one. So I appreciate that. I'm a Bernie supporter. Um, after Super Tuesday, I'm, I'm upset, I guess, pretty broken and all that, and pretty tough night. I'm wondering what do we do next? Do we just keep canvassing and keep volunteering and keep working at it? I mean, I mean, what do we do? I mean, the way I see it, my whole life's on the line. Yeah, Ryan, you're not the only one. I've heard from a, a number of people who are like they're today. They're so they're sad, right? Um, and it was a pretty a remarkable 72 hours for Joe Biden, right? Having several people drop out of the race, another former candidate. Um, all of those endorsed Joe Biden. Seeing uh, some states that Massachusetts, I think, was a shock to everyone. The, the re- returns, um, but I think at the end of the day, what we really need to know is now with Mike Bloomberg out, and I think we'll see in the next 24 hours what Elizabeth Warren's going to do. Um, this may very likely be a two-person race, which is now a restart of the, the race. It's a, a moderate establishment candidate uh, doing much of what we've done, I think, previously. And um, Bernie Sanders, who's trying to build this grassroots movement to actually impact change uh, from the people. And I think there will be some great contrast when you have just two candidates that people will really be able to listen to and see how you want to go forward. If we're going to defeat Trump, um, I would argue just doing the same old uh, didn't work in 2016. We may have to be more uh, innovative, and I think that's why many of us have looked at Bernie Sanders as, as having a people-grown uh, grassroots campaign, uh, not me, us, uh, is so important. So I wouldn't be sad today. I mean, I think, you know, have a few hours this morning if you're sad, but now let's regroup. Uh, let's realize what we're probably going into, a two-person race. And uh, we now have a very clear contrast for the public, not about different personalities they may like, but about two different ideologies and paths. And uh, I think that's what we should look forward to. Okay. Um, uh, whoop, hang on just a second here. I just pushed the wrong button. There we go. Thank you for that, Ryan. Uh, Howard in Shoreline, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. And also, Tom, that unmasking the presidency book that you just read, it's outstanding. The question I have is, how do we know that the results last night were actually accurate? I mean, given this climate, I can't tell that 
it could have been hacked into or changed or altered or perhaps having Biden be selected by the Republicans as an easier candidate because of what happened during the impeachment trials. And also, I'd like to know about how you can eliminate the Part D penalty from Medicare. I haven't seen any serious, credible source say they think there's any widespread fraud last night, and I don't believe that myself. So I wouldn't worry about that. I do think you had a pretty spectacular series of events at the beginning of the program. You know, Tom uh, described four things. I think the only thing I would add is this 72-hour of unbelievable momentum with all these candidates dropping, endorsing Joe Biden. Um, I think that's a big part of it. But, you know, now we are at a restart on the campaign. And, and don't forget, you know, when you look at every single state, I believe, when they did the exit polls, People were for Medicare for All and some other issues that are progressive issues. Uh, we need to, to keep those folks engaged and in, in going to vote in November. And I think if we have a candidate who doesn't espouse the values of the people, we're going to have a problem. So I think we just need to keep being heard. It's going to be a different race moving forward. And uh, I don't think there was any... Um, uh, anything that uh, was, was saying there was any fraud. I haven't seen anyone who seriously put that out there. Jessica in Phelan, you're on the air on, uh, with Congressman Pocan. Please forgive me if I'm repeating questions that have been asked before, so I'll try to vary it. But given the level of voter suppression and people literally being thrown off the road in the South, well, all, all over the country, but especially in the South, uh, maybe this time around, could this have maybe factored into um, the results that we saw last night? And I'll take my uh, response offline. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jessica. Um, I, I just got to probably say a little bit of the same answer I gave to the last person, which is I haven't seen anything saying that. I haven't seen people saying they went to go vote uh, in any kind of large uh, way and they, their name wasn't on the ballot to go vote. Or, or I'm sorry, on the voter rolls, so they couldn't vote. So because of that, I don't necessarily think that. And that is not at all diminishing your concern, which is that we could have a lot of people, because a lot more people vote in November elections, who could have that happen, which is why there's groups uh, like Eric Holder's group that's trying to fight this across the country. It's a very valid concern. It's why we did H.R. 1 and other legislation to try to address that. So um, I'm just saying I have not heard that that was a factor because we haven't had a bunch of people saying I went to go vote and my name wasn't on the voter rolls, therefore I couldn't. That hasn't occurred to the best of my knowledge. Andrew in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Hey, so I was hoping you both could speak to whether or not uh, Bernie Sanders actually really has a chance to still win this Super Tuesday, considering that he has taken over the overwhelming uh, majority of delegates in California, uh, and with there being three over 300 delegates left to go, you know, so it seems like he still has a chance to overtake Biden, and it hasn't really been covered at all in the media. So I was just curious if you could speak to that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, even the kicking Super Tuesday per se doesn't mean a whole lot, right? It, it's how many delegates you're accumulating, and you point out there are still a lot that aren't allocated yet because uh, California uniquely uh, allows ballots to be postmarked up to Election Day. I think till Friday they'll be counted. So therefore, many of their returns come in a little later, and that could show more delegates coming on board. I, I, again, I, I try to focus on moving forward. This is going to be, I believe, uh, a two-person race, a, a, a moderate establishment candidate and a progressive populist candidate. And there are many distinctions that will come out uh, about that. And I think that's going to make it much more clear than what we've had up to this point. So I don't think the race is by any stretch of the imagination over. I think actually the race is just beginning and starting to form to something that I think people will be able to get a much better grasp of, not a bunch of candidates, some they like this about, some they like that about. You now have two clear choices, and I think that will work towards Bernie's advantage moving forward, including next Tuesday. Ray in Napa, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman. Hey, you know, it really looks like the DNC is against Bernie, one of the most progressive uh, uh, president candidates since probably FDR. Uh, last night was just despicable how the news coverage was on it and everything, and the poll numbers aren't matching again. It looks like a deja vu of 2016. I kind of think the Democrats were afraid that they may have to go back, to, if Bernie wins, they may have to go back to actually campaigning again. And do some of the things that you guys have promised for the last 40 years that nothing ever seems to happen. So. Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, Ray, where I disagree is I wouldn't necessarily DNC, because DNC is the Democratic National Committee, and many of the um, 
I think pundits and the political class that are uh, saying Bernie can't win aren't necessarily DNC, but they certainly are um, part of what I guess Donald Trump would call the swamp uh, here in Washington, D.C., people who quite honestly won't benefit from the vast change that Bernie Sanders is talking about that will benefit people around the country. Many of these pundits make six or seven uh, figure income. So uh, I think if you keep it to that, we are far more accurate in how we represent it. George in Santee, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I'm a 72-year-old Democratic voter who votes straight Democrats, straight down the line. But what I would like to know is, and I'm also anti-war, has Joe Biden ever apologized for his Iraq war vote? Because, excuse the pun, he was 100% dead wrong on that. Yeah, George, I I honestly don't know. I I can't speak for Joe on this, and I haven't heard it one way or the other, so I'm sorry I can't answer that. Yeah, Hillary Clinton certainly had. Uh, Anyhow, Tim in Aloha, Oregon, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, you know, basically what I want to know after after what's transpired lately, what good did the Mueller report and the impeachment do? It actually increased his popularity. And I'll guarantee you, if the stock market was going through the roof right now and there were hundreds of people dying in the streets from coronavirus, he would be happy. That's the ingredient we have in what's going on in politics right now, okay? The cottage industries in this country are repossession agencies, collection agencies, and pawn shops. Okay, I was in retail sales for 35 years. I know how society works, and this is scary stuff. So, Tim, what's your question got, for Congressman Pocan? Well, what good did the uh, Mueller report and the uh, uh, impeachment do? It actually uh, created more uh, Republican lunacy in this country than anything else. Yeah, Tim, I, I guess I disagree with the premise of your question. Uh, we never did the impeachment or the Mueller report for electoral reasons. We did it because it was our constitutional responsibility to do that. And the Mueller report came out of Russia's interfering with our election. So um, to say that, you know, why did we do that? I just, I I don't have an answer to you because I think that question is, this premise is wrong. We had to do that. That's our responsibility. I take note of the Constitution. That's why we did it. Having said that, I also disagree with this is empowered Republicans, because I think always election year, people kind of have a tendency to go a little bit back home and he's got a little bit of bump because of that. But right now, things like coronavirus, quite honestly, is handling quite poorly, in my opinion. We're not testing people like we should. It could have some longer-term impact. There's going to be a lot of things that uh, I think we're going to be able to run quite aggressively on. So um, I just disagree with the premise of your question, uh, unfortunately, Tim. Robert in Los Angeles, we have a minute and 10 seconds to a hard break here. Robert, you got a quick question for Congressman Pocan? Thank you, Tom. Yes. Um, My question is about the case of Julian Assange currently going on in London and his extradition to the United States. What's your position on this? Yeah, I don't necessarily have a position. I'm not sure what you're asking. Should he be, I'm not sure is the question, should he be extradited? Well, he's not on the line anymore, but the the two questions seem to be, you know, there's apparently a prosecution uh, lined up for when he comes here, and then we find that uh, Trump offered him a pardon if he would would, uh, say that the Russians didn't give him the information. And yeah, I would love to have clarity on that, right? Because, I mean, if that's true, um, that is uh, in the scandal zone of uh, what we need to take a look at. But um, I, I apologize if I didn't understand Robert's question. Yeah, and, and, and I'm guessing in the last 20 seconds here that he was also wondering if you thought that uh, Assange should be prosecuted if he is extradited. I don't know, honestly, Tom. I would have to take a look at it a little closer. This, I, I, this is not your area of expertise, the No, it is not. I serve on appropriations, and I do a number of areas. This is not one. Okay. Steve in Noblesville, Indiana, you had a quick question for him, please? I was kind of wondering why the American people voted for somebody who is going to give them more for-profit insurance instead of health care for all. Yeah, Steve, it's a good question because... um, when I looked at every, I believe every single state, when they did an exit poll, people supported Medicare for all, um, yet many of those folks then supported Joe Biden. So I think this may go to the conversation Tom and I had about fear factor and a few other reasons why people might have voted the way they did. The good news, though, Steve, is the majority of the voters, I believe, in every single state 
supported Medicare for All in that exit polling, and I really do think that is a popular opinion around the country. We just now have to keep that grassroots movement to make sure it happens. Thank you so much for being with us today here on Of course, Tom. Thank you as always, and thanks to your listeners. Much appreciated. Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the 2nd District of Wisconsin. Pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Of course, California has not been counted and added in. It looks like Bernie took California. The Associated Press has called California for Bernie, although CNN and MSNBC have not. Um, but we don't know how many delegates either uh, Bernie or Biden are going to get out of California yet because it's taking a few days. You could, you could vote by mail in California and have it postmarked as late as yesterday, which means some of these votes aren't even going to come in until Friday, so probably by the end of the week. So where it stands right now, Ex- missing California, which is, I believe, almost 400 or in the neighborhood of 400 delegates itself. So, you know, take these numbers with a grain of salt. Right now, it's Biden, 439 delegates, Sanders, 346 delegates, Warren, 38, Buttigieg, 26, Bloomberg, 17, and Klobuchar, 7. Um, somebody had asked me last week, what happens to the delegates when a presidential candidate drops out? And the answer is, it depends. Um, uh, it, it depends on the state, basically. Uh, different states have different systems for this. Uh, there's a great article over at Heavy.com that a number of people tweeted to me after uh, after I had said that I didn't know the answer to the question when somebody called. And, um, in most states, in most of our states, when a candidate drops out, their delegates go to the national convention uncommitted, so they can vote for whomever they want. Some states, uh, Virginia and Nevada specifically, require that they that they vote for the pledged candidate. In other words, the Buttigieg's can, uh, uh, delegates and and uh, Klobuchar's delegates that that they actually vote for Buttigieg and Klobuchar at the national convention. Virginia and Nevada require that. Um, other states require that if a candidate drops out of the race and then endorses another active candidate, that those delegates should vote for the candidate who's been endorsed. Um, but it's not always a requirement. Um, in fact, it's not usually a requirement. It's merely an expectation. So it, it, bottom line, it depends on the state. But, you know, it's fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff to know. People are wondering, you know, what happened in the election last night? Why is it being reported that Biden overperformed and Bernie underperformed? I laid out my theory at the beginning of the first hour when I was talking with Congressman Pocan, and and he largely agreed with it. He added a fifth thing to it. But I want to just quickly review this because um, maybe I'm missing something and you can fill it in for me or you can let me know if you think I'm crazy. But I think that the reason I think that Joe Biden overperformed, you know, way beyond expectations. He he won states where he literally never even campaigned or ran a single ad. And I think that there are four main reasons for this. Um, First of all, in the states that have open primaries, in Virginia, for example, there were about uh, between three and four hundred thousand more people showed up in that primary to vote than had voted in previous Democratic primaries. I'm guessing most of those, many of those people who showed up, the additional people, were not actually Democrats that they are either registered as Republicans, this is an open primary, they're either Republicans or independents who might have voted for Trump and are so sick and disgusted by Trump that they want to vote for a Democrat in the fall, but because they're independents and Republicans, they haven't paid close attention to the Democratic race. They really don't know Bernie Sanders' positions. They've seen him being trash-talked on television. They do know Joe Biden. He was vice president for four years and a national figure for 20 years before that. And so they figure, you know, I can vote for Joe Biden um, over Donald Trump. Let's just get that guy out of the, let's get that, you know, that orange thing out of the White House. So number one, I think that it, particularly in the states with uh, open primaries, you had a lot of uh, Republicans and independents showing up to vote for Biden. And I don't think that they were trying to mess with the Democratic Party, frankly. Uh, Number two, I think Jim Clyburn's all-in embrace of Joe Biden was huge uh, for the black vote. 
Um, he is one of the most beloved figures, uh, African-American figures in uh, American politics, period, full stop. And I think that that impact just resonated all across the country. Number three, um, for the last week, I have been very frustrated with the coverage of uh, Bernie Sanders in particular on MSNBC and CNN, you know, uh, from Chris Matthews, uh, uh, you know, talking about Bernie being like the Nazis taking taking France to to, uh, you know, Claire McCaskill's constant hits on him to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's just it's just sickened me. Joe Biden's got wall to wall positive coverage, hundreds of, of millions of dollars, arguably in uh, what's called earned media and free coverage. And, uh, you know, w while they've been going after Bernie. And finally, I think that the coronavirus had a lot to do with it. People are frightened. And, you know, it's clear that the Trump administration's response is completely incompetent. And if Joe Biden knows how to do anything, it's how to be, how to run a functional government. He was part of the Obama administration for eight years. They got a lot of things done. And, uh, you know, so people, I think a lot of people who are concerned, who are frightened are saying, you know, I'm not going to take a chance on the new guy, on Bernie, on the, on the guy who's talking about revolution and change during a time when really what we need to do is get back to normalcy. This is how they're thinking. And now those are the reasons I think that Biden overperformed. The question is, what does Bernie do going forward? And if he goes on the attack against Biden, will that backfire on him? I think it will. We'll see. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. So anyhow, Ivan. Thank you very much. Cool. Well, I really Ivan appreciate and Bar it. Bar Bartlett, Illinois, you're on the air. What's up? You know, exit polls show Biden is getting the overwhelming majority of the boomer vote, black, mm -hmm. white, and brown. Right. So, as a boomer myself, let me make an economic case to the boomers out there as to why we need Bernie. Okay. All of us are going to get old, and sooner or later, if we live long enough, we are all going to need assistance. As a 40-year telephone company repair tech, I worked in nursing homes many, many dozens of times. And even and I learned that even though I consider the workers in nursing homes angels of mercy, I myself do not ever want to be in one. <laughs> even the small number of the good ones I worked in suck. And most of us will not be in a good one. Bernie is the only candidate with his Medicare for All plan that provides for in-home assisted living. Right. So this will uh, uh, not uh, in-home assisted living will not cause seniors to lose their homes to the nursing home industry. Right. Right, and and you know allows them to stay with their family and and uh, you know when the time comes pass away at home with family and friends rather than in some hospital with beeps and weird stuff going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you lose your home to the uh, nursing home industry, you're depriving the Gen Xers of their inheritance. Yeah. The main generator of wealth is home ownership. Yep. Yep, I'm with you. I, I'm with you, and we saw this when uh, when my mom died. Uh, you know, my my brother took her in, but had he not, it would have uh, it would have wiped out any little bit of uh, what was left over from you know the the equity in dad's home that he had accumulated all those years. Ivan, thank you. Excellent call, and thank you for being our caller of the day. Great talking with you, Patrick in Seaside, California. Hey, Patrick, what's up? Tom, this looks so bad. The night before last, the panel pundits on MSNBC were at least broadly hinting that President Obama had orchestrated behind the scenes Buttigieg and Klobuchar's exit and subsequent Biden endorsement. Yes, I, I saw that. This will suppress, I, I think this will suppress the vote. I think it makes the pathological liar-in-chief our most dangerous pre president ever look incredibly credible. You have reptilian James Carville predictably already calling for Bernie to drop out. And Tom, we need massive voter turnout and massive voter registration of the largest political constituency in our country, the 100 to 110 million non-voters, especially since we've had 17 million legally registered voters illegally purged from our voter rolls the last two years. 
Right. You have you have Mondale in '84, Dukakis '88, Gore in 2000, Kerry in 2004, and Clinton four years ago. The Democrats keep forcing uninspirable, uninspiring, horrible candidates who run horrible, uninspiring campaigns to be our nominees. And Joe Biden is their king. The corporate Democratic Party keeps doing the same clumsy, obvious, stupid crap, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Whereas Bernie can set the electorate on fire. Joe Biden not so much i think we're in a lot of trouble tom and i think they're going to blow it yeah we'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out patrick i i share many of your concerns i i do think i i was i was frankly horrified looking at the exit polls at how low the turnout was for people under 30. uh it was just absolutely shocking uh, when you compare under 30 versus over 60. and patrick thank you for the call um but i think that you know young people are just not in the habit of voting and this is one of the this is one of the reasons why we should have automatic, if you can, you know, if you are a young, when my son turned 18 years old, he was automatically registered for the draft, right? He got his notice in the mail. Now, if you can, if, if the federal government can identify every 18-year-old man in the United States and say, you're in the draft, why can't they identify every 18-year-old in the United States and say, you're registered to vote? Why, why can't we be having mock elections in our high schools so that people can practice voting when they're like 16 or 14 and, and, and even you know, turn it into a national event and publicize the results and stuff like that? I mean, these are things that could be done that are not huge and they're not necessarily partisan, but they get people in the habit of voting. And it just concerns me terribly that we're seeing you know, people under 30 voting at, you know, being 13 percent of the electorate, 16 percent of the electorate. Come on. It's like, you know, this 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 has to change. Anyhow, Ginger in Eureka, California. Hey, Ginger, what's on your mind today? Hello. Hey, um, I'm calling to tell you that, by the way, I did get to vote in a mock election in my high school. But I'm 83 years old. Right. Well, and we did this. We did this when I was in elementary school. Yes, I remember that. But it, it, nobody's been doing it for the last 40 years, to the best of my knowledge. Anyhow, uh, to that. Anyway, I wait. I have a mail-in vote, and I waited in, in California, and I waited until the last minute to vote because I wanted Elizabeth Warren, but I didn't want to waste my vote. And it became very, when it became very apparent that it was going to be either Bernie or Joe, I switched my, I went ahead and voted for Joe because Bernie brought us to the left, but he doesn't give the idea that he will compromise and work with people. It's my way or the highway. I don't think he'll have and a choice, Joe, Ginger. Well, I hope not. <laughs> Obviously, I will vote for whichever one, whichever one gets it. Right. But I think I think Joe's relationships with the rest of the world will help us get back to back on track. Yeah. And I think that he. I, and the fact that he got that whole black vote, it really say, it really says, I'm going to do something. Mm. And I think he's probably going to, hopefully, he'll put Stacey Abrams, my first choice, or, um, I can't think of her name, the black lady from, from California. Kamala Harris. Who was running. Yeah. Kamala, thank you. Kamala. I'm, hopefully, he'll put one of those two for his running mate. Yeah, uh, both of them would make great running mates. Ginger, thank you. Thank you for your call. I'm not going to be, you know, pretty much commenting on how people are voting or what they want. I, you know, it's, there's still a long way to go on this thing and nothing is cooked into the books. We just need to be, you know, holding to our values and supporting the idea that no matter who our party, and that's, I'm talking about you as the voters, selects as our nominee that we're going to support that person and we're not going to wound that person right now but you know that said you know i think we can make our preferences clear quick math the less your business spends on operations on multiple systems on delivering your product or service the more margin you have and the more money you keep 
With higher expenses on materials, employees' distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jim in Atwater, California. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom. Our voting here was a mess. They closed 4,000 polling places in L.A. County, 5 million voters, and we go to an unverifiable touch screen, and it, it was just insane, Tom. It was... It was that yeah, touch screen, I, though, I, produced a paper ballot that you could read although it did have a QR code on it that you couldn't read. And I get, you know, the, the, right, the, the whole... Right, right, but it's unverifiable. Go to bradblog.com. No, it's I got that. You know, I, 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 I know exactly what you're talking about, Jim, but, you know, it's okay, like step by step. Okay, what can we do about it, Tom? Well, what, what you can do, do is I'm, get inside your Democratic Party, Jim. Um, show up I'm and... I'm going to Bernie's office tomorrow. Yeah, well, that's a start. But, you know, if you really want to change how the Democratic Party does things in California, you need to become part of it. So start showing up, you know, contact your local Democratic Party and ask when their meetings are and start showing up. Kenyatta in Los Angeles. Hey, Kenyatta, you wanted to weigh in? I did, and I'm going to be very brief, uh, uncharacteristically so. I am at the end of uh, what is called Black History Month, which was actually overshadowed by many things, coronavirus, all kinds of things. Uh, I have heard the term African-American more in the last three months than I will ever hear in the next four years, whoever the president is. And I keep hearing uh, your callers talking about the black vote. Uh, Listen, this is a country that can't figure out what to call us. My daughters have black on their birth certificate. My birth certificate says colored. My parents' uh, birth certificate says Negro. 
So we certainly aren't monolithic. This is a country can't figure out what to call us, let alone how we think. We are products of our experiences like every other group of people. I don't hear about the white vote. And if I do, it's, it's, it, there are subsections of it or subdivisions of it, the uh, uh, housewives white vote or the, the educated white vote or the college graduate white vote. I don't hear about the Native American vote or the Middle Eastern vote or the Asian vote. You know, I'm going to vote for Bernie Sanders. And if there is no Bernie Sanders, I'm not voting. I'm not going to disparage anybody else. But Bernie Sanders is the only person that is talking about significant change to things that matter to me. So having said that, I want to engage in a little bit of selfless and shameless uh, self-promotion. I wrote an article called uh, Birds, Bees, and BS uh, in Op-Ed News about three weeks ago, and I forecasted exactly what has happened in the last 48 hours with the Democrat Party. Thank mm-hmm. you, Tom. Okay. Thank you, Kenyatta. It's a great article, and check it out over at Op-Ed News. Uh, good talking to you. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's up? Hey, not too much. I have nothing but respect for you and Kenyatta, but I can't agree. I mean, I, I like, I, I've cast my ballot for Bernie, but we can't get stuck like Israel, where they're saying Benny Gantz and Benjamin Netanyahu are basically the same, so we're going to go with what we know, Benjamin Netanyahu. Joe Biden is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump represents ideas that are really toxic and perilous for the entire world. That doesn't mean Donald Trump is a bad guy. What it means personally, he may be a fine person personally, but his ideas are so dangerous. I mean, I just don't think really anybody is registering that. I mean, I know for a fact that they are. And that kind of brings me to my question I had for you. He appointed um, in senior intelligence positions Donald Trump has just appointed. Richard Grinnell. John Radcliffe, and now Michael Ellis to be the director of the National Security yeah, all Council. completely unqualified. Now, 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 you know, I'm a, uh, my background's foreign intelligence, all right? So I know, oh, I don't really know the U.S. intelligence apparatus really great. I do know, like, Russia and China. They would be incompetent to not take advantage of this. I mean, look, part of the intelligence work is illusion. It's part of its illusion, creating, um, you know, uh, a false falsities for your adversary. Now, what, you know, that your ability to do that improves with the availability of resources, but also a smaller audience is advantageous, okay? So right now, Donald Trump, the, the audience is being reduced, right? You see that to the audience of one. It's much easier to fool one person. So you mean foreign con- governments? Yes, if they want to beguile, deceive, they want to use deception. They all do it. You can say, you know, pretend they don't, but we all we've all used this since World War II, right? Sure. We well, so, probably since the Revolutionary War. Yeah. Probably, yeah, we probably since the Greek wars. Yeah, but yes. Right. And if you and if you're like, well, you know, Russia is like what Ari Ravenhoff told me one time. Russia is nothing but a gas station. Okay, even if you want to accept that, they have a smaller audience to fool, right? Because Trump is appointing yes men, right. and this could come in, into play during the election as well. Like, what if he wants to stump? Um, you know, he needs a gotcha moment for Bernie or for um, Joe Biden, whoever the nominee is. He could just make something up and have those guys um, say it's real. Well, and Ron Johnson is, uh, I believe today is the first day that he's holding, he's going to start holding hearings. Maybe, I'm not sure if the hearings are starting today or if the process is starting today. But uh, Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, is, is going to be holding hearings into Hunter Biden and Burisma. I mean, <laughs> tell me that this is not a strategy that uh, Donald Trump has been working on for at least a year and a half. Right. Right. And remember, um, Obama had um, a big moment with Romney where Romney said Russia was the greatest threat. And Obama said, you know, look, um, or, you know, Romney was talking about building grand uh, seafaring vessels, blah, blah, blah. And Obama said, look, this isn't the 1800s, you know. Right. But Trump could do that. Yeah. There you go. Dave, thank you for the call. I expect the whole Biden uh, Burisma thing is going to be just, you know, they're going to try and repeat the Hillary Clinton emails and Benghazi stuff, and they're going to try their best. I don't think people are going to buy it this time, but, you know, what do you think?
Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Frank in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Frank, what's on your mind today? Uh, hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. Really appreciate it. want to say from the outset that I appreciate your program and everything you're doing. But? But here's the thing. I, you know, I'm a little upset at the fact that as Democrats, we're at each other's throats. I admit I can come in clean. Yes, I did vote for Biden, but I was just an inch close to voting for Bernie as well. Mm -hmm. Bernie represents what the Democratic Party ought to be, you know, and the way we should be positioned. Uh, because, you know, a lot of Democrats are tired of playing Charlie Brown, Lucy and the football with Republicans. It's just right. that simple. Right. But, you know. Um, we're at each other's throats. This is insane. This is. I am. Trump I am not hearing that, Frank. I, you know, I'm hearing people who like Bernie, who are, who are, you know, trying to understand the situation, or, or, you know, trying to suggest ways that he can do better. People who like Biden, who are saying, you know, he's a good and decent man, and I believe he is. Um, I think either one of them would make great presidents. Um, and, and I will support either one of them, whoever wins the primary. That's what it's going to come down to. My preference would be Bernie over Biden, but I can build a, I can build a case for Biden. You know, it, I think that they're both moving in the same direction. I saw Biden's speech last night, and he, he used the word progressive at least twice in every sentence. I mean, he was, you know, he was talking about, he wasn't saying free college and free health care, but he was talking about affordable. I mean, you know, it, okay, so we take, you know, another, it takes a little four years longer to get there. But, I, you know, if you look at, at the demographics, look at how the young people are, are polling. They're not showing up to vote in these large numbers, but, they're, but they're, their opinions, as they get older and they start, be, you know, start voting in large numbers, we're going to get there anyway, no matter what, Frank. In my well, opinion. yeah, I, I agree with that, and I feel the same way, whether it's Bernie, whether it's Biden, I'm voting blue no matter who. I, that's the way I feel and about that's, it. And that's what we all have to do, and, and, and that's why I'm not going to let this show turn into the circular firing squad. I'll give you, you know, what I think is the Thank good you, side sir. of Biden, Thank and I'll give you what I think is the good side of Bernie. And, I, and frankly, I'm not going to trash either one of them, or I'm, I'm certainly not going to go out of my way to. Uh, Frank, thank you for the call. Timothy in Hapersville, New York. Hey, Timothy, what's up? Yes, it's Harpersville, New Harpersville, York. Harpersville, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right, it is. Thank you. Okay. Uh, I'm uh, very upset about the homeless situation, and I'm very upset about the uh, situation of where people that are on disability and everything else uh, cannot get the care that they want, even if they do get Medicaid and Medicare. And stuff like that. Right. Our, um, our social safety net has been shredded by fifty, almost fifty years of Reaganism. I agree with you. I've been turned down by doctors because they say that they won't, they, the insurance will not pay for it, right. or the doctors will not in, accept the insurance. Right. Um, but the uh, uh, um, the uh, stuff that's going on is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Timothy. And where it's going to get really scary is when uh, coronavirus starts popping up among the homeless population. And we are completely unprepared for that. Loretta in Seattle. Hey, Loretta, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, I called in. I heard a woman earlier talking about Bernie um, and uh, Hillary. And I was in the last election. I was a Hillary fan. But since I have learned more about Bernie, now I'm a Bernie fan. And I think one of the things that everybody is forgetting is I believe Trump is in office partially due to the fact that it was female versus male. And I think that there was a lot of people voted uh, for Trump because they were not prepared to vote for a female. Well, let's let's remember, Loretta, Hillary Clinton got three million more votes than Donald Trump. And and frankly, I think the only reason that Trump won Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Michigan by a total of 77,000 votes in all four of those states accumulated is because in those four states, almost a million voters were pushed off the voting rolls in the six months or year before the election by the Republican governors of those states. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I don't you know, and 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 I, and I think it's tragic that so many Americans, uh, so many Democrats are not voting for Elizabeth Warren because they think that the lesson of 2016 is America won't vote for a woman. I, I disagree mm -hmm. with that respectfully. Yeah. 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 Then I have one other comment, if I have time. Sure. Um, the, you know, I think that Bernie made this point recently is that the one percent 
And I also believe that family corporations are, are socialist. And I think that point needs to be explained, that the reality, the way that the 1% work and family corporations, they're taking care of their own. Yeah, Bernie's slogan is, we have socialism for the rich and not for the poor in America. And yeah. uh, well, I'm not sure yeah. it's a slogan, but you know, he, I've, I've heard him yeah. say it a number of times. And he's absolutely right. We have socialism for the rich. We, you know, we subsidize the the fossil fuel industry to the tune of three hundred billion dollars a year just in this country. You know, trillion dollars a year worldwide. Loretta, thank you for the call and spot on. And yes, women do have a challenge that men don't have in elections. But let's not forget, Hillary Clinton actually won 2016. Donald Trump cheated. It's just that simple. And we need to repeat that often. Anyhow, thanks so much for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tell your friends about progressive media. Tag your it. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.